Okay. You Why do you think it'll be funny? Um, we're recording now. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, Adam Roberts. And I'm here as always with my delightful husband, Craig Johnson. Hi, everybody. Um, and hope you're having a good day. Craig and I had lunch together today. It was very romantic. We went to Sugarfish, which is Craig's... Is that one of your favorite places to have lunch? You know, I'd say it's one of the most reliable places for lunch because it's very easy. They have these set sort of sushi menus, um, literally called the trust me or the trust me light. The implication being that you're just trusting the restaurant to make your sushi decisions for you. And it's all very tasty and reliable and consistent. And the sushi is of pretty good quality. I didn't think it was so good today. Ooh, I thought it was, we got one, one piece of sushi was like ice cold, like straight out of the freezer. I didn't think it was that bad. I, I, I don't know. It was know. a little colder than normal. I think it's good. I th- They're it's good. remarkably consistent. If that was the case, that was the first time I've ever experienced a cold piece of sushi. And that's not really a deep criticism. And you promised me they'd have miso soup and they didn't have it. Oh, I forgot about that. They don't have miso soup. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a it's good, like, it's a good reliable, like just place to go. Well, and it's franchised out. I mean, they opened them up in New York and I guess they're, they're hugely po- popular. In New Are York. they? Yeah. It got zero stars in the New York times. Well, that's, I think perhaps a little bit of a snobby reaction to a very popular franchise. It is kind of a franchise. I mean, it is a franchise, literally. <coughs> well, sushi making is an art. Oh, gee, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Giro or Giro. Giro. Um, I don't know. I mean, there was something today where I was like, for this amount of, amount of money, look. I mean, if it was cheap in a franchise, I would think of it one way. But it's not cheap. It was expensive to have sushi there for lunch. No, it's not cheap. Sushi. Sh- I, I'm skeptical of cheap sushi. No, but I I'm saying if want- you're gonna, but if you're going to spend money on sushi, why wouldn't you go to like a really good sushi place? Because this is mid range. This isn't like the high end, really good, which is break the bank, not affordable, expensive. Well, I don't want to fight too much. Wonderfully. Too Early in this podcast, I didn't think we were having a fight. Um, I thought we were having a discussion. But one thing that maybe we should talk about, which is part of your motivation to have sushi today, was that something happened to you recently when you went to the doctor. <laughs> You're making that sound. Uh, uh, well, what happened? Do you want to well, tell everybody? Well, I uh, had my cholesterol checked, and it is monstrously high. You're very high, really cholesterol. high cholesterol, like like shockingly high. Like the kind of cholesterol you'd expect from like a morbidly obese smoker who lives off Big Macs. So it was shocking. I was surprised. And because I'm not, listen, I don't, I'm maybe not the healthiest eater in the world, but I eat pretty well. I basically eat what you eat. I know. It makes me feel like we have like, I have like Munchausen syndrome where I'm like secretly poisoning you with my food so I can take care of you when you feel over. I wouldn't put it past you. I mean, it is funny because I I do think that the, the things that I learned about cooking and making food delicious are also the things that as I get older, I'm like, oh, those are the things I have to stop doing if I want to actually not have high cholesterol. Yeah, but this, this doesn't account for how high my cholesterol was. And the doctor said, point blank, said this this seems like it it's likely genetic. Uh, and so I actually talked to my parents today and sure enough, there is a deep history <laughs> of high cholesterol um, with my parents mm-hmm. on both sides of my family. Uh, and so that I think accounts for some of it. So I could, of course, always improve my lifestyle. I could always eat healthier. I'm relatively active. I know you make fun of me because I don't, 
I'm not, don't exercise as much as I probably should. I don't make fun of you. I make fun of you because you say, I, I, I like, I, I like to take hikes is what I you said. I do like to take hikes. But you don't ever take hikes. I take hikes occasionally. <laughs> no, you say that I you take hikes as your I form know. of exercise and you don't actually I take like hikes. I like saying that to you because you always get so triggered and you have a reaction just like you're having right now. Well, the look, I should say. Is, well, the point is. Yes, what's your point? Well, is that high cholesterol can be genetic amongst everything else. It's not entirely that. Right. I'm sure I could get my, my numbers down if I switched up my diet a little bit, stopped having the Terry Gross sandwich. From I know, the, the sandwich that he talks about all the time on this podcast. Oh, it's, so, it's so delicious. He was, we actually got into a fight the other day when he got his results, and I was like, you have to stop eating that sandwich. I was eating a Terry Gross sandwich And he was like, what do you mean? This is totally fine, but it's like, it's like a giant, bready, enormous sandwich filled with like mayonnaise-coated coleslaw and... All cheese kinds of turkey. cheese. It's, it's, a, it's a delicious sandwich. It probably has the amount of cholesterol of, for like somebody's full day of eating in one sandwich. I don't think that that's I do. probably true. It is not a uh, cholesterol-free sandwich. So we're not trying to judge here. Oh, whatever. Yes, you. That's your. That's your number one profession. It's not, no, it's not ju- being judgmental. It's it's just pointing out that if you well, want to look. Well, for me, for me, you like judging what I eat. I always hear about what I eat. No, no, I like to analyze what you eat. I don't oh, like to okay. judge it. Okay, we'll let the audience decide. Um, but you know, I myself had high cholesterol for two years ago, and I went to this doctor who kind of shamed me about it and made me feel terrible. And I, my, that's actually the period of time when my lunches started to change. I mean, this is lunch therapy. And around that time, I joined a gym and I started going. I would basically write in the morning and then I would go to the gym and exercise and shower at the well, gym. Well, you eat in the morning. Let's, let's I would have that. like a little yogurt and granola, like a light breakfast. And then I would go to this gym and I would run for 30 minutes on the treadmill and, you know, do three miles and be covered in sweat. And then I'd shower and then I'd have a smoothie. And because they had smoothies at the gym. You and, are so LA. And, you know, it's funny, the idea of eating a smoothie for lunch just felt so paltry and just so depressing. Like, oh, my God, you know, am I really going to eat smoothies for lunch every day? But I did. And it, I just got used to it. I think it's also about routine and getting used to a routine. And my cholesterol went down significantly. It went from 133 LDL to 99 LDL, which is below where, you know, it's, it's a good place You're to You're supposed be. to be under 100. Under 100. For your LDL, which is the bad cholesterol. Yeah. But it's, it's, more, it's more of a balance between your bad cholesterol and your good cholesterol, which is supposed to be a high or higher number. The higher the number, the better. You had very high LDL. I did. We're yeah. not revealing numbers. Okay. But I did. It was it was shockingly high. Yeah. I know it's crazy. It, it was actually crazy. It was really unsettling because <laughs> I I I never eat. I don't never eat fast food. I never eat packaged commercial food. I don't snack. You know, like trans fat and that kind of stuff that really gives you. Um, <coughs> uh, me. Sorry for Adam's, Adam's getting over a, a sickness, yeah. but I don't smoke. I don't do any of the things that really. You do snort cholesterol though. <laughs> Well, <laughs> so that's Every, everyone's entitled device. Um, well, I, I'm glad that you found out when you did, though, because I think being, you know, still relatively young. Oh, gee. Thank you. <laughs> and then, no, you are relatively, young, relatively young. But to be able to identify this now and be able to address it now, as opposed to people, so there's lots of people out there who don't want to get their cholesterol checked, who don't go to the doctor. So if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, go find out. Especially if there's a history of heart disease in your family and uh, find out if your parents have high cholesterol or your relatives do, because mm-hmm. there can be a genetic component to it. 
Well, this might be a nice transition to uh, this cookbook that I have in front of me. It's called Apple Recipes from the Orchard. And I guess it's a nice transition because there's some beautiful, uh, you know, delicious desserts in here and, and pies a- apples, and cakes. Apples, and, low cholesterol. Yeah, apples are low cholesterol. So this cookbook, Apple Recipes from the Orchard, is written by James Rich, who is a um, British man who was visiting L.A. and he sent me a message that he was a, a fan. Such a specific <laughs> description. He is a British man. It's funny because I'm like holding this book and I'm, and I'm oh, here's the, okay, about the author. Because I wanted to say like specifically that he grew up in, on an apple orchard. He's a cider maker's son. He's from Somerset. And he's a really cool guy. But basically what happened was he sent me a message to say he was a fan of my podcast. I said, oh, if you're ever in L.A., you should come on. And he's like, well, I am in L.A. I'm in Palm Springs. I guess that's not L.A. But he's like, I'm in Palm Springs. I'll be back in L.A. Um, I'd love to come on. So he came on. And so what you're about to hear is my interview with James Rich, the author of Apple Recipes from the Orchard. Um, Before we get to that, though, as always, if you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, just type in Lunch Therapy on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, hey, give us a review. It's a nice thing to do. All right. Well, go get your doctor's appointment on the books to get your cholesterol checked. And now, without further ado, here is my interview with James Rich. Okay, well, James, so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'm so excited. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but when people come over for the podcast, as you just experienced, I just drag them immediately into the Yeah, there's no chat. (laughs) Yeah, there's no getting ready. So, but I feel like I want to just capture this initial energy. Yeah, well, it's really, um, I'm really excited to be here. I was, um, I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, well, it's been so funny because I became aware of you recently because you have this gorgeous new cookbook, which I'm holding up, even though this is an audio uh, experience, but it's called Apple, right? recipes from the orchard and already it's getting so much buzz i mean i was just reading i think celia stack from omnivore books says this is one of her favorite books i know i'm so blown away by that yeah i I did an event with celia um a few weeks ago in san francisco and she was just so nice and has been so supportive and uh yeah it kind of gives me the jitters thinking about that but she's so nice yeah i've I've loved her for a long time and her store have you did you go to her store yet yes yeah i did the event oh you did the event sorry um no it's it's one of my favorite stores yeah, it's so great, isn't it? And the books in there yeah. are amazing. Although it's dangerous because I spend way too, way much, too money. much money. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I feel like I have a lot to ask you. Now, you know this is going to ultimately be a therapy session. I'm going to yes. be dissecting your entire psychology. Yeah, I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> yeah, and laying you bare on the t- You're going to be sobbing by the end of this. Oh, no, okay. But the first 10 minutes, I feel like we should... Okay, I need some just like background information. Sure. Here's what I know uh-huh. about you. You're British? I am, Okay, yes. if the well, accent didn't give it away. Damn it. Um, <laughs> You grew up in an apple orchard? Yeah, so I grew up in a place called Somerset in the UK, which is in the southwest. And it's really famous there because it's um, countryside and mm-hmm. uh, it's really famous for cider, hard cider, as you call it here in America. So with, that, with alcohol in it. Okay. Um, and my family have a cider farm there and we have orchards. And um, so I kind of grew up in and around um, that area and surrounded by these like um, gloriously abundant orchards at this time of year. And uh, my dad's the head cider maker. So he's in charge of making all of the all of the apple juice and the and the hard cider there. No, I feel like this could be like 
to like in my mind it either sounds like the most magical place to yeah. grow up in the world or it could be like there's also like a dark like fairy tale version where like it's <laughs> terrifying and like you're in the woods at night and someone's yeah. chasing you i mean what is it what was it like a bit of both i <laughs> find it magical so um somerset is famous for three things uh, in my mind uh, one is cider okay um so check got that one um the second thing is glastonbury festival i don't know if you know of glastonbury festival it's I, it sounds good yeah no it's great it's um a really huge music festival we have in the uh, Okay. Um, I think it's like the biggest one in Europe or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Glastonbury itself is really old and okay. it's known as kind of like the home of King Arthur and Avalon and all of that. Oh. So it's all, it's all very magical. So, so it is it magical. Does, it does have that, that sense. And then yeah. the third thing is um, cheddar cheese. So I went, oh. to, I went to school in cheddar. Um, oh, really? So those are the three things that it's known for. And uh, yeah. How does the... Now I've had English cheddar and mm. it's incredible. It almost tastes like white chocolate, right? It's like yeah. so rich and... Yeah. Sweet. And what do you think of American cheddar? And you don't have, there's no right answer to this. Um, so I am used to uh, really old traditional cheddar in the UK, which you actually find it difficult to get there get in the UK now, but that's really kind of crumbly and very, very, very tangy. Mm-hmm. Um, almost to the point that when you eat it, you're like, oh, you kind of like, t- you're taken aback by it. Um, and it has like, it's even formed like crystals and things inside yes. of it because it's unpasteurized. So, um, and that's one of the most incredible things to bite into. Yeah, it's, am- it's just amazing. It's so strong and you serve it with things like, you know, onion and really strong other flavors and it's just amazing. Um, so the cheddar you have here is, and uh, you have like a stronger cheddar, um, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, it's not quite like the stuff we have at home. <laughs> that was a very <laughs> diplomatic. You could be a diplomat if you wanted to be. Um, wait, I had other. Okay, so I don't want to pat myself on the back, but yes. I did look at a map and mm-hmm. to see where you were from, and it's sort of the southwest mm-hmm. area of England. So, yeah. and is it? And was it near the water? Yeah, so it's coastal. Okay. So um, Somerset is uh, it's, it's a huge county, but it's um, and a lot of kind of agriculture and fields and, and things like that. But it's also coastal, um, and it's kind of on a bit of a um, an estuary going up to Bristol and, and kind of connect, connecting with Wales. But um, yeah, so it's coastal. We've got loads of fields, um, and uh, it's also below sea level where I live, so okay. it gets flooded and things like that. And what do you? Um, and, and is there a rivalry with like Wales? I mean, where you're from? Is is, is there is no, good really. feelings? towards yeah. the Welsh yeah. yeah good feeling I mean I'm, I'm uh, half Welsh or quarter Welsh or something oh, okay. so yeah, good vibes good vibes I never Welsh. know with like all that stuff I mean obviously like Ireland is across the water yeah. and there's all kinds of history there so it's like mm-hmm. I, don't, I never quite know with I mean the rich complicated history yeah of it's very England. complicated right that, like where people are from seems to be important but. yeah it's super important and um, or it has traditionally been super important and uh, it's it's really strange because obviously the I'm not going to politics but the political climate over there at the moment is um I think kind of igniting some of those conversations again where there were rivalries before which I think is a real shame and obviously with the whole Brexit thing and the mm-hmm. Northern Ireland and the um Republic uh border um that's kind of coming up again and and I, it's very uncomforting because it's you know we're one big happy family sort of thing. Yeah. Um, when you said politics, I thought you were talking about Meghan Markle. Oh, wow. Well, no, that's another, I wouldn't dare talk about that. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my politics that I'm engaged. No, it's actually fascinating because I used to fantasize about moving to Europe because mm. I thought it was so progressive mm. and so much more sophisticated than the US, especially like London was always a fantasy of mine. Mm. But with everything that's happening, it's, it feels like it's mirroring, like everything that's happening here is sort of being mirrored or vice versa. Yeah, I think so. Like the UK and US, it's funny how we're kind of almost taking the same path in a way mm-hmm. um it's it's very disturbing i think that um 
you say progressive, but but like it, it, only recently we got um, equal marriage in Northern Ireland, which is a part of the UK, part mm-hmm. of my country, right. where you know we had marriage in um, gay marriage in um, Wales, uh, Scotland, and England a few years ago. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, and over here it's all fifty. Is it all states now? Yeah, well, it's national because national, the yeah, Supreme federal. Court passed. A- legislation that right. made it so that everywhere has to acknowledge gay marriage. Yeah. yeah. So, so you say progressive, but actually there's, there's certain areas that we kind of fall down on a little bit or have done uh, up until recently. Well, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I'm also fascinated in like kind of the way the food culture in England has changed yeah. in terms of progress. Cause I actually spent a summer when I was in college way back when at yeah. Oxford for okay. the summer. Mm-hmm. And I just remember the food there being terrible at the time. <laughs> this is in 2004. Uh, 2003, I think. Yeah, and I literally would go to the Starbucks across the street from like, oh, wow. the dorm and then like <laughs> eat like egg salad sandwiches. But what's cool is I, I feel like the reputation for British food had always been terrible. I mean, mm. that was the joke. It was terrible. And then somewhere along the way, it was like Jamie Oliver, Nigella mm. Lawson. I mean, does that narrative? feel true to you or was it always better than people thought? I think it's always better than what people thought. And I think we got given a really bad reputation Mm -hmm. by our, our, you know, the, um, uh, other European countries that have a, a, a slightly different food culture, like the Italians and the French and Spanish and things like that, which I all actually absolutely love. Um, and I think that, the British food, like we are cold, generally like kind of cold country. So the mm-hmm. food that we have is much more kind of hearty and, right. uh, you know, root vegetables do really well there. And bubble like and that. squeak. I love bubble and squeak. Is that mashed potatoes with sausages in yeah, it? Yeah. So the way, so we have bubble and squeak every Monday. Okay. So we have a big roast dinner on a Sunday. Wow. Um, and then all of the leftovers get put into a bubble and, bubble and squeak yeah. on a Monday. And um, you, you know, fr- fry in a skillet. Um, you basically mash everything up, put it all in together and fry it. To, fry it. Um, and it's, divine i love it so these traditional english dishes would you say that they just got a bad rap because people had bad versions of them yeah i think so i think that it's i think that in uh the uk food perhaps wasn't taken um seriously as maybe kind of like a creative outlet it was a very functional thing whereas i think that in other countries they uh acknowledged that um, food can be this amazing creative outlet that you can do all these wonderful things with and the result not only looks really good right. it tastes really good too yeah. and I think we were probably really slow to catch up on that in the UK and it was very kind of like you know post-war very functional mm-hmm. and uh, just you just needed to feed feed your family and, and kind of get that done before you even thought about anything beyond that um, and I think in the last couple of decades it's really that's completely changed in the UK and we've got um, I'm close to, and I've worked in a place called Bristol, which is in the Southwest as well. Mm-hmm. And that has an incredible food culture there. Um, lots and lots of different cultures coming together. Um, and the food scene there is amazing. And I am, um, I live in London now as well. And oh, nice. the food there is just, it's amazing. You know, we have people like Ottolenghi who oh my completely gosh. changed the, changed the food landscape when he, he started doing his thing a few years ago. So, um, so yeah, I, I love the food. Yeah. seen in the UK um, <laughs> and I love the old stuff as well which is getting kind of some getting reimagined in, uh-huh. in some restaurants um, which is fun um, but yeah I'm flying the flag so <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I have to say like I should say like my favorite food writers are all British like Nigel yeah, Nigel really Slater I Nigella Lawson mm. anyone with Nigel in their name yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but there's something about British food writers who I think are, they're just so warm and personal mm. but smart and educated you know there's just like this perfect balance I feel yeah. like yeah it's um, really interesting like being in the States I'm on a book tour at the moment and um, speaking to people who who uh, buy a lot of food 
uh, food books. And they, they, they sent, tend to say that over here, that mm-hmm. the, the UK writers are, are, are some of their favorites and, um, just like, just name drop a little bit, but Nigella tweeted my book when it came oh, out on the publication day. My gosh. Completely blew my mind. I love her. She's amazing. I mean, her language about food mm. is so fun to listen to. I mean, it is it's playful, isn't it? It's playful, but it's the kind of sensual. I mean, there's, yeah. it's, it's almost like reading like a dirty romance novel when yeah. she's describing tiramisu or something. Have you shows oh all the all, oh, yeah, yeah. all the time it's my favorite i mean she's like luscious and like everything that she says is just so yeah her word choices are just fantastic she's even amazing. as i'm like describing them i'm like my words aren't even nearly as good as yeah her. same when i was writing the book um i <laughs> kind of thought well you know you have to be able to uh what, what's the right word you know just kind of i'm going to be on the shelves alongside people like that mm-hmm. um and i was like i can't you've got these people like uh, Nigella and also Diana Henry as I well. I love who, her. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. Um, who just write in such amazing verses. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm going to try and do that. And I just kind of gave up. In there <laughs> I was, it was, it was too much pressure yes. to try and replicate that. And what I, and um, what my editors were saying is that, no, 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 forget all of that. You need to kind of find your own voice and you need to write in your own style. Sure. And that's what people relate to. And um, so yeah, I was going crazy trying to be like, I want to be like Nigella. <laughs> well, um, in terms of getting to your own voice and finding mm. out more about you as a person, I feel like the moment has come to ask you. Yes. <laughs> you look like a deer in headlights. <laughs> um, what did you have for lunch today? So I, um, ha- I was hoping to go to Squirrel. Oh, sure. um, which I've not visited before. And that was on, that was on the cards. However, I came from Palm Springs this morning. So mm-hmm. I had a bit of a journey to get to LA um, and the LA traffic did its thing. Of course. Um, so I went around the corner from here to okay. a place called Dune. Dune Falafel. Yes. That's one of my favorite places. Yeah. Yes. And I had, fluff, uh, no, I had, um, I had a flatbread hummus plate with, um, with some chicken. So, oh. um, and it was like pickled uh, turnips and, and, uh, olives and pickled red onion as well. You did very well. That's absolutely a, divine. Yeah. That's a great choice. <laughs> yeah. It was great. How did you hear about it? Um, I didn't, I drove past it. Oh really? <laughs> it's so funny because I'm planning it. My husband and I are going to Tokyo for new year's oh, wow. and I'm driving myself crazy because I'm like researching everything and the best ramen and the best udon mm. and the best, and I'm like, good, I'm going to make like a Google map, but like, yeah, it's nice to hear that you literally just drove past it and were like, yeah, well, I'm going to eat we, there. I'm, I'm here um, with my now fiance um, mm. and... Uh, congratulations. I was drinking water when you said that, but I want to say congratulations more quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we um, we got engaged last week. So oh my really gosh. Exclusive. So super new. Was it, super did new. it happen in California? Yeah, it did. Yeah, in um, in Palm Springs in wow. this hotel, in this hotel there. Um, yeah, sorry, sidetrack. Um, we'll go back to that because that's good. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we usually, like, we have spreadsheet. We do the Google Maps thing. Yes. Like, we're very organized. He is a big, big foodie and um, uh, has been to LA quite a bit. And so he was very keen to kind of explore some of the new um, some of the new restaurants that have opened recently. Um, and uh, so we were all very organized. And he'd actually been to Squirrel before a couple of times, I think. And I um, hadn't. So I was really wanting to go there today. So I didn't get to do that. But um, Did you even go try to go? Because the thing about Squirrel is the line. The line. Is, well, that's why. No, because I, yeah. the traffic was so bad that yes. I was like, oh, let's just go straight to, to this area. And then um, we'll find something close by. Which I was very nervous about because I wanted to make sure it was a really good lunch. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Representative of you. Exactly. Well, it's funny because Squirrel. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the most obnoxious things that my husband and I do, but mm. we'll, we have a thing here called Postmates. Do you yes, guys I have? love Postmates. So we'll Postmates from Squirrel, which <gasps> I always feel incredibly guilty about yeah. because it's basically, yeah, this poor person has no idea what they're in for and they 
they get the order and they have they show up there and they wait they have they have to wait like for an hour to get. Oh, they still have to wait in the queue. Oh, maybe they don't actually. I think you're right. I think they get to cut the line they now. Get, yeah. yeah, they do. Oh, okay, that's really cruel. No, this is my, my Jewish guilt. Like comes. <laughs> I can't. I, I mean, I literally stopped myself from doing. it. I was like, I can't put somebody through this. <laughs> I'd like to think they they cut the queue because that would be quite that would be quite cruel. <laughs> yeah, I have to say. Oh, this is going to be very controversial. I really like Squirrel. I think it's mm. very good. The experience of going there and waiting in this huge line and then getting like a bowl of like rice with like an egg mm. on it and some lacto fermented chili paste. Yeah. I mean, it's all very delicious, but I don't like. I don't enjoy the experience. I'd yeah. much rather just go somewhere where you can sit and then somebody comes over. And, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I am not British in that regard. I yes. hate queuing. Right. I do not, especially for food. I do not like queuing for food. And you shouldn't go to Squirrel. So <laughs> yeah. I was kind of prepared. I had prepared myself that there might be a bit of a queue and we had planned on getting there quite early. Right. Um, but like I said, it didn't work out. So. I actually drove past there yesterday and there was no line at all. Oh, that's what I was hoping for. I was Monday. Like, yeah. yeah. Wait, no, yesterday wasn't Monday. Yesterday was Tuesday. Tuesday. Sorry. Okay. Wait. So you had this lunch. Yes. So, okay. The first starting point was sort of what we were talking about was how fastidious you are in terms of your meal choices. I mean, mm-hmm. do you spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to have for each meal? Yeah. What do you, what's your normal routine for lunch? So, well, I'm traveling now, tra- sorry, traveling now. So, uh, very kind of, uh, we have a list of places that we wanted to visit, like I said, so kind of very organized in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm at home, um, generally, uh, we'll like take it in turns. Um, but we always cook, um, we always have a cooked meal for for dinner, which I think is quite rare for people these days. For dinner is dinner lunch. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it can be both, but yeah, lunch. Wait, dinner so, is no, lunch. No, no, no. no. Wait, dinner is evening. <laughs> lunch is lunch. Yeah. Okay. I, I just um, wanted to make sure I was getting the part because I know that. Um, wait, pudding is dessert. Right? Dessert. Yeah. Yeah, I know that because yeah. I watched the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> oh, you know, of course. So I know all that. Um, um, wait. So, what does your partner do, or your husband, your fiance? Fiance. He um, he's a journalist. A journalist. Yeah. Okay. So he um, is a food and interiors journalist. So a food and interiors journalist. Yeah. So he yeah. writes about food. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's actually just um, focusing on interiors at the moment, but traditionally he's always um, covered food as well. So interiors being like design. Design. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. is your home like beautifully appointed with? Uh, do you guys live together? No, we don't. Oh so my gosh. We, sorry, I'm getting yeah. really personal no, 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 already. It's fine. It's fine. That's what people want, though. That's what they <laughs> tune in for. No, we um we actually don't live together quite yet. It, we're hoping that's going to happen imminently, and obviously with the kind of news this week, then that is hopefully going to be sped up. Um, but um, his his place is absolutely gorgeous. He um, had it redesigned a couple of years ago and it got shot for a magazine and it was all very, very kind of, um, wow. yeah, particular. What's his name? Pip. Pip? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I love that British people do is when they talk about somebody's name, they say, he, he he's called, wait, no. What do you say? You say like he's called... When you say somebody's like, is, what? Wait, now, I'm like, now I'm blanking on what I'm talking about. I'll come back to it. Okay. Oh my God. What am I trying to say? He's called Pip. No. You know what I'm talking he's about? He's called Pip. His name's Pip. Yeah, no, it's like a British. Okay. This is okay. Like a, I'm gonna, I said, I don't delete any parts of these podcasts. So I'm going to delete this part. Um, okay. Wait, walk us through the proposal. We have to hear about it. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So um, I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, we have had a crazy busy year with the book and he's also moved jobs. So we've kind of just been up in the air a lot. We um, have been working incredibly hard over the summer and we usually kind of for the last couple of years, we've traveled quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was our like one big break 
he was he came out and met me in LA after I did some events okay. and um uh we have had two weeks together and uh, gone to Palm Springs and spent some time in Venice and things like that so it was all very nice um and then when we got to Palm Springs we stayed in a new hotel called the Dive um, oh, I don't know which, that one um it's absolutely gorgeous um they only have like eight or ten rooms or something very kind of small but um with a lovely pool um and he yeah kind of woke up on the first morning there and he'd organized breakfast in bed um, and they kind of brought breakfast in and i was uh, like oh like kind of just like give me my coffee <laughs> and um wait how long had you have you guys been together uh t- two years two years okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so not an incredibly long time but, no, but um, still that's a long time yeah um and uh yeah he, they brought breakfast in and then on, on my tray there was this card um, that, and he had written a note inside and, uh, delivered it to the hotel before, as we got there, but obviously away from me. Um, and then he pulled out these, um, these, uh, bracelets. Oh, wow. We, um, we didn't, we didn't want to do, um, engagement rings. So That's we've beautiful. done, um, uh, engagement bracelets and he's got a, a gold one and I've got a silver one. Did you see this coming at all? Did no. You? No idea. I mean, it was on the cards. It's right. like, I, I, I was shocked, not surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I, I kind of thought that it would probably be next year because this year, like I said, has just been kind of a bit, bit mad. Yes. And um, I'd put it out of my mind as something perhaps for next year. Um, so it really, it was a real, real shock, but a happy one. <laughs> That's so nice. My engagement story is much less romantic. I had helped so Craig, my partner, I keep saying partner, whatever he is. Um, <laughs> by the way, I realize like he's called Pip is a Britishism. He's called Pip. Oh, right. He is called Pip. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like Americans don't say that. Like, uh-huh. I, I think it's cute when British people are like, he's called blah, 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 blah. Okay. Like, nobody in America <laughs> I've never says never noticed that before. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear it, and I'm like, oh, that's cute. Okay. Anyway, what was I just saying? When Craig and I got engaged, it was because I helped us move to this apartment, because our last apartment, the landlord sold it, so we had to move out. Oh, okay. So I did all this like work. He was work- He's a filmmaker, so he was working on a movie, and, he's- and I did all this work. So he was taking me out to dinner, and he's like, just so you know, this is just to say thank you for helping with the move, but this is not an engagement dinner. And I was like, okay, thank oh. you. And then we went to the dinner and then we had this whole conversation about getting married. And at the end, he's like, I guess we can get married. Oh. I was like, okay, great. And then we, we put it on Facebook and then we got married. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's not out, on there, out there on Facebook or Instagram or anything yet. It's and on I've this podcast. Told, it's on the podcast. Yeah. So better do something about that. Oh quickly. my gosh. Um, but um, one of my friends messaged me actually and said, uh, he was like, is, is it for real? I was like, yeah, it is for real. He's like, well, it's not on your, it's not on your social media <laughs> yeah. yet, so it can't be real. <laughs> well, it was so funny because I said to Craig when we got engaged, I was like, well, we have to tell our parents the next day because yeah. like, otherwise this isn't real. So we called our parents and we told them mm. and that was nice. And then I was like, maybe we should put it on Facebook. And he's like, okay. And I put it on Facebook and in terms of like, it was like pulling the emotional slot machine. It was mm. like all the coins kind of, it was like, it felt so good. You get so many likes and so many people yeah, message yeah. you. And it was just like, oh my God, it, it was even better than telling my parents, I guess. <laughs> Putting on Facebook, I yeah, love yeah. that. And I have to say getting married, as, as like cynical as my story was about getting engaged, mm. but the wedding and having just the ceremony and experience was one, was truly one of the greatest things that's really, ever happened. I'm really excited about yeah. it. I'm I have traditionally not been a great marriage, um, a fan of marriage. Not not the idea of it, but the actual wedding day. Um, I've always kind of been a little bit skeptical and, mm-hmm. and just a little bit kind of not really my thing. Um, but I can feel myself already being drawn into this, like be this like bridezilla type oh, figure. And you guys um, both care about food and design. Yeah, so, exactly. Oh like my we, gosh. The food is the big topic. Oh, it's a big topic whenever we, whenever. Can I tell you a secret about the food at your wedding? Yeah, go for it. You won't even really eat it. I, which annoys me. And I, <laughs> like, I kind of want to plan it so that there's like some, put aside, 
so that we can enjoy it like the next day. But <laughs> you'll be so overwhelmed. I mean, you will literally have every person from your life there and you'll just yeah. be. I felt I, I don't do drugs, but I felt like I was like I'd snorted and done every wow. drug because you were just so high and all these people. And we, we put so much thought into the food at our wedding and I don't remember anything about it. Uh, high on love. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> OK, James, you are I feel like you're using charm to avoid the, the, the like. The difficult job okay. of lunch therapy. Right. So, okay. So you're from Somerset. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like get in because I feel like we've met now. We've known each other for 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay. So you grew up in this community in Somerset and was it a conservative community? Was it a kind of a liberal? Cons- well, so if you looked at it on paper, um, it's a conservative um, area, very rural mm-hmm. Um traditionally votes conservative i think it certainly has done recently um and so you'd kind of think that maybe that was a difficult place to grow up and certainly for you know a gay guy growing up in um in the noughties and 90s and noughties um <laughs> you would think that it would be quite difficult and perhaps there'd be some prejudice and and just it wouldn't be a very fun thing. Um, i couldn't wait to get out if i'm honest because it's it was really small it's mm-hmm. a really small place um and I have always been one of those people that's just like, oh, I want to see more, I want to do more, I want right. to experience different things and just kind of you know, travel and do all of these great things. Um, so I couldn't wait to get out. But I have to say that actually the I everybody was, um, you know, throughout my kind of coming out years were back home were were really amazing and, and totally supportive and very encouraging of me just kind of being mature, you know, true me. And um, they were really lovely. And it actually surprised me because I anticipated a bit more of a backlash to mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, you kind of hear about these farming communities and things like that, right. and it just being quite hard because it's very masculine and very, um, uh, not necessarily, you know, they don't like change and things like that. Sure. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I had anticipated, and I think that's probably what, what I, I, in my mind kind of worked myself up a little bit beforehand and, and, um, yeah it wasn't a, yeah I wasn't looking forward to it and then when it ha- when it happened and everybody was just like well yeah fine and that's great <laughs> how old were you I was 17 you came out yeah and when you talk about growing up on a cider you said it was a cider, cider farm cider farm were you taking part in the work of the farm no so I I didn't actually live on the farm we really just lived just down the road but um the I would go and help my dad um uh, you know weekends or um or whenever he kind of, he was looking after us. Um, I've got like memories of me and my sisters running around the orchard while he's kind of pruning the trees and things like that. Um, But we, uh, the, the farm opened a, um, a restaurant when I was a teenager on site. And that's where I worked on as a teenager and in my early twenties. So I kind of went into the, into the restaurant and started working, working for them there. That already sounds like my favorite restaurant. It's like, it's great. Yeah. It's a, it's on a cider farm in Somerset. And it just sounds so romantic and great. It's so busy as well. It's very popular. What's it called? It's called the Cider Press. Cider Press. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, The Cider Press restaurant. And, um, it's very humble, traditional, uh, uh, English food, um, lots of like pies and big stews, and like they do the most amazing roast dinners. Really, um, with, with lo- apples local and everything. Meat. Yeah, I mean, if it's pork and things, it will be served with apples, and um, yeah, it's um, it's great food. Really, like not like uber uber fancy, and I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. It's just mm. like it's just really tasty. Um, and was your father? Was this? 
like a family venture? Did he inherit it from his father? No, so it's my cousin or my dad's cousin, Jan, who um, inherited it from her father. Okay. Um, so it's a real kind of real family um, uh, business. There's um, multiple people in my family who work there. Um, and uh, so she now runs it. Okay. Um, and uh, her and her husband uh, live there and uh, my, they kind of run the business side and my dad um, makes the cider and, and heads up the actual cider making um, side of it. And what goes into making cider? Apples. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, what's the work of it? I mean, um, you just throw apples into, like, a thing and crush them? Yeah, and then you're done. No. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, it's a very natural process. So right. um, around kind of August, well, September, October time, when the apples are in season, um, we will collect up the apples and then you press them for juice. Um, once you've got the juice, then you um, you kind of add yeast and things to that, like that to it to bring out the... Um, to bring out the alcohol um, and let it let it ferment essentially mm-hmm. um, in these huge, huge, big barrels, um, and then uh, you store them in oak vats, um, which help kind of mature the flavour, and you can keep them up in, in, keep it in there for up to a year. Um, and then once that's uh, that's happened, then the the cider is ready to go. But you kind of take it out of the vats depending on kind of where you want the flavor to be. So you might only store it for a few weeks or a few months. And there are different kinds of apples that you're growing. Yes. So, um, the main, the old traditional, what we would call scrumpy, mm-hmm. um, in, uh, in the UK is, is a kind of a mix of cider apples, but they're very bitter. Okay. So the four different categories of apples, just very briefly, we've got sweet apples, which are the ones we're used to picking up in the supermarket and eating. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have uh, sharp apples, which are the um, the cooking apples. So okay. things like Bramley Smith, if you've heard of that, um, and the stuff that's, or Granny Smith even, sorry. Right, right. Um, and uh, the stuff that's kind of, you can bite into, but it's quite sharp and you'd want to put it in a, in a pie or something. Mm-hmm. And then you have bittersweet and bitter sharp, And those are the two categories of apples that if you bit into them, you'd really kind of recoil. And uh-huh. they'd be very, they'd be too bitter to eat and actually probably give you a sore tummy. Um, but they are great when you juice them and you turn them into cider. So, That's interesting because when I've had alcoholic cider, mm. it has that that sharpness to it. That yeah, absolutely makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna add. You know, in some ciders they they add sugar and things to it to sweeten it because the natural taste is very dry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, similar to wines, when wines are, are made, the natural taste is quite dry of the grape. But um, so um, so yeah, the traditional cider will be a blend of different cider apples, mm-hmm. um, and then um, you can get single variety ones. So if it's a particularly good year, you'll get a single variety of uh, cider which could be like a Yarlington or a Lambrook Pippin or something like wow. that um, uh, and that will just be one apple um, and then you can also you get fruit ciders and all sorts these days so so when you were growing up in this environment and they were mm. making alcoholic cider did you get to taste it as a yeah. kid yeah and of course well, yeah. what did you think were you like what is this stuff like yeah I didn't really um yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of around it and exposed to it from a from you know, Dad would bring bring um, cider home that he's kind of been mixing or playing about with just to kind of you know pop it in the fridge and and take a taste of it every so often to to work out when it's at its best. So it was I was surrounded by it. Um, I can't remember the first time I tried it. I was I was definitely young. Yeah, um, I guess it's not as much of a taboo in not, England to have no, not at all. kids drinking alcohol. Right? Yeah, um, my dad always says that the fact that we were kind of exposed to it. Um, not drinking it, but you know, we were around it. Um, uh, he always thinks that that's, that's why, you know, people who are exposed to it a bit younger and kind of taught about it. Cause he's very respectful of like at the alcohol and, you know, and, and obviously it can have, um, it can have bad effects on people. Um, uh, that means that you kind of, you grow up with a bit of a respect for it. Right. Um, and therefore you kind of know your limits. So, um, yeah, so I've kind of always been around it. I can't remember the first time I tasted it, but 
Did you ever get wasted on it? Like growing up, did you I have like did, a party with friends? Yeah. yeah. So um, where I'm from, we have, uh, there are a number of cider farms and uh, I remember being about 14 and, uh, and going out with, um, with the kind of local, local guys from my school who, who um, I, I kicked about with. Um, and uh, we had these kind of big, big kind of flagons, these big containers of cider and uh-huh. um, getting absolutely wasted. Oh, really? Oh, awful. So were you very yeah. popular? Cause like you can get the, the alcoholic cider for everyone. Yeah, I was quite popular. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when I was a little bit older, when it was like, uh, when I actually asked dad for it. Yeah, would, um, <laughs> and was he a good sport about it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were growing up in, in this environment, like, did you, and you say you couldn't wait to get out. Mm-hmm. Did, was there ever an expectation that you would take over the family business? No, um, no, it was always, uh, my dad was always really keen for us to kind of go out and, and, uh, you know, experience other things. Right. And, and it's you and your sisters, you said? Me and my sisters and now my little brother as well. Um, um, I have a 10 year old little brother. Oh, he's very young. Um, called Charlie. Um, he called Charlie. That's what you see. He said called Charlie. Called like Char- Americans don't say that. What would you just say? His name is Charlie. Oh, his name. Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> Charlie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah. So he's always been really keen for us to kind of go and do our own thing. Um, and obviously cause my cousins run it. So that will be passed down to, um, to my cousin, um, George and Molly. Um, so it will, um, so yeah, there was never an expectation, um, I, yeah, he was keen on us going and experience other things and that's what we've done. We've all got, um, me and my sisters all have different careers. Um, but it's not to say that maybe one day we might kind of be back. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe would you have the wedding there? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I definitely want the, I definitely want the wedding in Somerset and yeah. I'm, I'm really want, um, a big field with a big kind of like teepee tent or something like that uh-huh. um and uh it to be very kind of like relaxed and not too uh not too formal and i know we just met but i want you to know mm. i'll be very offended if i'm not invited to this <laughs> wedding i mean <laughs> this podcast is going to launch your whole career <laughs> just kidding i don't you know we have a couple of listeners um okay but i want to know okay so the transition do you mind if i ask and this is yes. a personal question so you could avoid it if you want to but how old you are i am 32 you're young. Okay. Yes. And, um, I said it with hesitation because I actually, I don't know whether that's the thing when you hit your early thirties where you start forgetting how old you are. Uh-huh. The other day I was asked and I was like, I think I'm 31. And uh, well, you like, have a quality where you could have either been younger or older. Like it's like, you people say that. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, it, could, yeah. it could have been anything. That's why I asked. Yeah. 32. So 32. Okay. So yeah. how many years have you lived away from the home? Oh, um, I moved away i haven't really lived back there for 10 years so you're in your early 20s yeah when you finally left somerset yeah i oh let me think about this yeah so i went and yeah so i went to university in bath which is still in somerset Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um that was that and then i moved back home for a year or so before i then what did i do then oh yeah then i moved to and i went and lived in spain for a year in barcelona how was that Amazing. Yeah, I'd wow. still be there if I could, but it was Yeah, yeah I've been to Barcelona. Great. It's gorgeous. Yeah. What what brought you like what was the reason that you went there? Um, well, uh so my uh boyfriend at the time wasn't enjoying work very much. And we kind of um we'd always said we'd move to a different country. I always wanted to experience living in a different country. 
Um, and he, I remember it really clearly, it was one Christmas and he was just getting really depressed and down about, um, going back to work on the Monday or whenever it was mm-hmm. after the Christmas break. We have like two weeks off in England for, um, for Christmas. It's amazing. <laughs> That's so nice. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, he was getting really down about that. And he, and I said, well, why don't we, we've always said about moving abroad. Let's just move to move somewhere, like pick, pick somewhere. And he was like, we can't do that. And I was like, yep, we're going to move to Barcelona. <laughs> and within about three or four hours that afternoon, I had set out, you know, the fact that we were going to move, the place we were going to move, when the time frame that it was going to happen. And then it happened exactly eight months after that we moved to a different country. And it wasn't for a year. We just kind of moved thinking we would just spend as long as we wanted there. Um, if it worked out, then we'd stand years there. If not, we could always come home. So um, we ended up spending 12 months there, yeah. And was it all pure fantasy or was there were there any things about it that weren't great? Yeah, so it we went, we, we, yeah, we got on a plane with, um, a wad of cash uh, that we'd managed to save up, uh, a suitcase each and three nights booked in a hotel. We had nowhere to live, no jobs or anything. And that was part of the adventure for it, sure. of it for me. So we landed and we had like three days to sort our stuff out. And we ended up booking another night in the hotel before we actually had a place to live. Um, so that was great. And then we started working and Barcelona is a very odd place because it, um, well, this is pre 2008, the, the crash. Mm. Oh, no, what was it? Was it just after, uh, around that time, but it hadn't taken effect is the point. Um, and, um, the, Wages there were really low. Okay. Um, they were kind of on a par with the rest of Spain. But Barcelona is like this amazing metropolis of um, a city and just has an uh, amazing lifestyle and it's very expensive to live there. Um, so we kind of had the wages of a very were very low and the living expenses were very high. So very quickly we burned through um, our the money we'd saved up and, uh, and then we were living paycheck to paycheck, which was fine. And it would, were I think you working was, as you said as a waiter? Um, so no, so, uh, he was working in a school. Um, I was actually working freelance, um, for a company back in England for the first few months. And then I went and joined him and taught English in the, in the school. Okay. Um, so we, we were working together as well. And, um, it was fine up until there was a bit of uh, a family. Um, my grandmother died while I was over oh, there, sorry. um, towards the end of our, our year there and she um it was very unexpected and uh, we were very very close and so I had a number of flights back and forth and it just that it was the combination of like that trauma happening to my happening to my family and me not being there and Spain's only a two and a half hour flight if that uh, Barcelona is to where I'm from um and so we that was very kind of uh, unsettling for me and then because of all the expense of what I was doing it, we just had no money and it was just like do you know what it's been amazing. Right. We had the uh, an absolute blast. Yeah. Um, just the most fun. And let's, you know, we need to back at home now. Let's go home. And it's so good that, that you did that though in your twenties. I feel like that is yeah. the fantasy. It's like you get to do that when you're young. Yeah. Like now, like you know, with Craig, like I'll be like, maybe we should move to Seattle because that's like where he's from. And then mm. like I walk through it, I'm like, okay, I'll get there. I'll think it's great. I'll be excited. And then mm. then it gets rainy. And then I'm, you know, like three months in, I'll be like, what am I doing here? You know, I think that yeah. you, you get excited and then you. It's funny. I'm. I don't know whether it's like ten years on, but um, I'm getting itchy again, and I don't know. And just being here in in California, I love California. Uh-huh. Like, I absolutely love it. Uh, the weather is is exactly the weather I love, and the food scene here is incredible. Are you going to move and to LA? No. So what I was so he's announcing been, it here first, <laughs> folks. You heard it here. Second yeah. excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, we um, 
uh, we've been talking just generally, you know, obviously being on holiday and things. And I'm just, and I was saying that I, I, I'm almost feeling myself wanting to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, not forever, but just like a year or two somewhere else, which would be really fun. So um, I think I probably will do it again one day. So now I'm going to tra- draw some connections here because, okay, mm. so there is an, almost an impetuousness, I would say, in moving to Barcelona. And yeah. then with lunch today, you kind of just stumbled upon Dune yeah. Falafel and it was great. Both were kind of good things in your life that you did, but mm-hmm. you didn't over plan but you planned a little bit. Yeah. So I think the story of my life is when I plan things, they never, ever, um, it never, um, works out exactly how I think. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a Virgo, so I'm kind of like controlling and not controlling, but you know, I like to be in control and to know what's going on and be aware and, uh, and plan things. Um, and I think the times, if I look back, the times that things have either been really successful or, um, really fun and just mm-hmm. like a good, good positive thing to do are the things where I haven't put too much thought into it. Right. So Barcelona, obviously moving there was amazing. Um, and we had to put a certain amount of thought into it in order to be, actually be able to do it. But it was very like, loose. And, you know, as soon as we arrived, when we got the, you know, arrived at the hotel, that was as much planning as we'd done. Right. Um, and then it was like, right, where do we go from here? Um, and it was a great experience. And likewise, like with my book, um, it was a, the idea for the book I uh, had 15 years ago um, mm-hmm. at the restaurant of the farm. Um, and uh, I, when I pitched it to the um, publishers, I hadn't put a ton of thought into it in terms of like the structure of the book and, uh, you know, list uh, the complete list of recipes, the background context, etc. Um, it was just kind of this nugget of, of an idea that I pitched to them and they really lo- loved, mm-hmm. um, which I was surprised at. And then obviously it's turned into a real thing. Oh, and it's beautiful. But I have some questions about this. Yeah. So how did you go from um, working for various companies and teaching to becoming a writer? Like, were you always interested in writing? Yeah, so I, I worked in like marketing and PR and things like that. So um, I have always been writing for other people okay, um, and uh, publicizing um, various other companies and individuals. Um, and so I've always written, um, but I've never had a byline. Okay. <laughs> so um, that was very nerve wracking. Um, I, and I've been really, really passionate about food and obviously working in the restaurant when I was right. younger. And um, I'm from a really, really big foodie family, food and drink. Um, my grandmother is an amazing cook. She lives in the south of Spain now. And um, Really? Yeah, she does, yeah. Wow. Um, and I go and... Uh, is this your father's mother? No, or this, you... is, this is on my, my maternal side. Mother's side, so, okay. Yeah, so um, she, uh, I go down and, and cook with her. And uh, we have an amazing relationship and it is all around food well food and family gossip but food <laughs> food mostly oh my god i want to watch that show yeah. like you going to spain and cooking with your grandmother and it's gossiping so, i love it it's brilliant what it's, brought her to spain um the weather she um when she was living in england uh, where we're from in england it's um very damp very cold um very wet in the winter mm-hmm. um and uh, she had some respiratory issues and um they decided that the um that the drier weather would suit her more. And she has absolutely flourished there. And where in Spain is it? Um, It's in a place uh, called, well, it's near Veleth Malaga, which is um, if you, you fly into Malaga on the very South coast of Costa del Sol, the other side of that. Okay. Um, So it's got the beach, it's got the mountains, it's got gorgeous weather. I want a grandma in Spain. That sounds so nice. I I, I refer uh, refer to it as my rehab. Oh my gosh. I go crazy in London working and all of this stuff. And then I'm like, right, I need to reset myself. And so I just get on a plane and go down. And does she cook Spanish food or what does she make? She cooks all sorts. So she from, uh, she's like 
probably my biggest food inspiration because she, from a very young age, um, she would get me in the kitchen and she would cook everything. There would be, she's very big into kind of exploring food, um, food culture and, and, and different, uh, cuisines. Um, so she'd be like cooking up a curry or she would be doing something, you know, traditionally English mm-hmm. or she would, she's really into, um, I introduced her to, um, Otanangi a few years ago mm-hmm. and she is obsessed oh now my gosh. and she has cooked nearly every single recipe in all of his books. And he has like 10 maybe no maybe not quite that many but um, have you met him yet yes i have yeah i feel yeah i feel like you guys should know each other yeah he um so side story um he helped uh me and my partner get together oh really in a a roundabout way how did that now that this is the juicy stuff people want to know so yeah i'm not sure we i'm sure we he he knows the story as well but um we so my uh by, by fiance now uh pip was um i love that his name is pip that's amazing yeah it's cute isn't it yeah um he was uh working on an, uh, an event for the magazine that he was um lifestyle editor for at the time um and as part of that event it, he hosted a panel um with otolenghi so he was interviewing otolenghi on stage and helen go i'm not sure if you've heard of helen mm-hmm. so she wrote sweet with um with him oh yeah yeah i have that book it's amazing it is amazing um the blueberry cake is insane um anyway uh <laughs> she um yeah so he was interviewing them on stage and we were only just like very very early had had um met each other and um, we immediately talked about food and I was saying how much I, I admired him, uh, Otolenghi. And um, uh, he was like, well, I'm doing this event in a couple of weeks. Why didn't you just like come and sit in the audience? He was like, it's a reader uh, event and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm like, Are you sure? That would be okay. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like come along, like really casual and like, just like, just sit at the back, you know? Uh-huh. And um, anyway, so I turned up very excited and um, he, I texted him and he came down and he got me, he said, oh, just come upstairs and, you know, I'll sit you down kind of thing. And I hadn't even thought about it. And, what had happened is just before um, I arrived, he'd said to Yotam, um, uh, oh, by the way, there's this guy um, that I'm bringing along tonight that I'm kind of into and, and want to <laughs> want to see. Um, and he's a big fan. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of like, you know, I'll introduce you. That would be right. And, and Yotam was fine. So I walked into the room and he introduced me and Yotam just like sidled up to me and just like <laughs> completely charmed me off my socks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and um, was just the most lovely, lovely, um, adorable person. And just, I just had heart eyes coming out and was just totally overcome. <laughs> so he was Pip's wingman. He was totally he, Pip's wingman. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And, um, so he's clearly going to cater your wedding for free. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh wow so you're like in this world a little bit that's like my you know, like, I, I keep saying fantasy but like yeah i mean like you know do you know nigella personally no i don't i've never met her i, I would absolutely swore then i would absolutely love to um, meet her but I how did know she her. know of, of you how did she hear about your book so I, i'm not really sure i think it's either through my publisher or again uh, through pip because they thought fo- she follows him uh, on, on instagram and things like that so so you're in a relationship with somebody who writes about food yeah and now you've written about food yeah and do you guys agree all the time about food funnily enough we agree do you know what actually yeah we do thinking i've not actually thought about that before but we that we like the same types of foods mm-hmm. um and flavors um we bonded over um over chicken so oh. diana henry's um bird in the hand is like my number one cookbook I love that's the that one book, book of hers i don't have oh really oh yeah. you must get it it's should, really, really i've good. seen it i should get it okay it's great and it has some really great recipes in there um and stories as well but um yeah when we met at the time i was reading cooking from that book quite a lot and um, we kind of bonded over that over that book so um yeah we yeah we do agree on on the same on the same types of food i'm just trying to think of the time when we haven't 
Does he ever give feedback when you cook something? Yeah, or? he does. He's critical um, in a good way. Like he will, um, like I, I've never written, um, this is my first, my first book. So I've never written a book and he obviously is published and um, he was instrumental in, in like guiding me through this because mm-hmm. I, I did not have a clue. Um, and pulling all the recipes together and playing with the flavors and I'd get him to taste them and he would give me some feedback and there are a good few recipes in there are, are kind of, uh, uh, Pip in the sense that he's kind of like added flavors or, or added. Was there a recipe that you presented to Pip that he was like, no, this is just not going to make it in the book or was he overall pretty encouraging? Overall pretty encouraging. There's one recipe that he definitely thinks should have been in the book that isn't in the book. Oh, what's that? And that he's told me I have to write up for my website and uh, put out. And that is a bean sausage and cider stew. Ooh, that sounds good. Um, which is, it wasn't, I don't know why. I basically, I had three, ended up having three stews in the book. Uh-huh. And um, I decided that was one too many for some silly reason. And I included the pork and the vegan um, uh, option. Um, and the sausage obviously being pork was kind of like, I thought was quite similar to the other. So I'd kept it out, but actually right. it was really good. And I'm, I'm going to use it, it, it next time around. Yeah, I will. Yeah. <laughs> so is, is the cider that's in this book? Is it, um, the kind of, is it like hard cider that you cook with? Yeah, it's, it's, so the concept of the book is to kind of celebrating that one ingredient, um, in all of its forms. So in okay. every recipe, there will either be apple as a raw ingredient, or there'll be cider vinegar or, um, uh, cider brandy mm-hmm. or, uh, apple juice, Etc. Et Do you ever make an apple pie? Like an all there American apple there pie? Is, there, funny enough, there's a recipe called the All American Apple oh, Pie. Oh, great. There, and I was terrified yes. about doing it because um, I have friends here in the States and I just know how much of a big thing it is. And I sure. was, I said to my publishers, I was like, I can't write an, an American apple pie recipe because, you know, it's just, there's, it means so much to people in the States. And they were like, oh, you know, you have to include one. I was like, fine. <laughs> so I spoke to a few people over here and um, I love how like protective people are here with their recipes. So it's sure. like being handed down by their mothers or grandmothers. Right. And they're just like, I'm not telling you what the secret ingredient oh, is. I don't <laughs> like that. I think yeah. it's silly. I think that's old fashioned. I think like it, that, that was like, before the internet, before, and it's like, no, recipes are just everywhere. everywhere. Just, like, Craig, my husband, I keep saying my husband, it's so weird. <laughs> um, but his favorite thing in the world is apple pie. Oh, really? But it took me a very long time to learn how to roll out a pie crust. Yeah, the pas- Yeah, the yeah. pastry is difficult. I um, was at um, a cooking store yesterday and they, they were selling a marble slab for Ooh, $50. Nice. And I almost bought it. I was like, that would make rolling out pie dough yeah. so much easier. Yeah. Do you think you'll go on the Great British Baking Show? I can't. Why? Because apparently you can't go on there if you have had published material. Really? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I've like ruled myself out. Would you work. have applied otherwise? No, I, I, I'm nowhere near good enough to, um, to compete on that level. I think that I'm not actually, I actually baking isn't actually my uh, favorite thing. Um, it was quite a struggle for me to write right. all the cake recipes because I'm not, um, traditionally not a baker. Well, they say there's two kinds of cooks. There's like the kind that likes to do savory cooking where it's like a pinch of this, a drop of yeah, that. Yeah, I'm much more of that. Because you're side. impetuous. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like rules. Okay, we've got somewhere psychologically. <laughs> um, well, so I, I did want to make sure that we don't miss the period between Barcelona and now your current life. Was there Were mm. there other major milestones in there? I mean, in terms of jobs that you had and things that you did? Um, you worked in marketing. Yeah, I think that um, the big moment for me in the last kind of 10 years, I suppose like the end of my, so the book really is about when you kind of strip it all back, the book is about going home. Mm -hmm. So I did that thing that we all do when we want to run away and we want to go see the big lights of the big city and travel and just get out there. And then I think in your, maybe like your early thirties, you start 
reevaluating life a little bit maybe. Mm-hmm. And, um, I certainly kind of started looking back and I look back where I'm from and I'm right. like, it's beautiful. Like it's so green. It's, um, just nature, like full of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously my family are there and they've been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Um, and, um, I was like, oh, it's actually pretty awesome where I'm from. It's very, like you said, it's like, it's a romantic kind of like. That's place. a funny thing that you do go through when you get old. I mean, it's my my equivalent is not loving where I'm from because my parents live in Florida, which is kind of a okay. crazy state. But I think for me, it's more about my mom's, my mom being a character. Mm-hmm. I have like a larger than life Jewish mother who's been a guest oh, wow. on this podcast. And she, um, you know, she would drive me crazy in my 20s. But then as I got older, I was like, oh, she's a character. Like, it's sort of like I can go, I can go back mm-hmm. to that and appreciate it yeah, as I get older. Yeah, you kind of look at it as in a more, not crit- critical is not the right word. It's more of a kind of like, I suppose you've just got life lessons on you about, haven't you? And you right. can be a bit more assertive in the way that you're like, oh yeah, that I, you know, I read you. This is, this is who you are and you're. What were the things though that, that made you want to leave Somerset? Like what, what did make you not feel comfortable Um, there or happy there? One of the things was that, um, living village life, which is, you know, there are a mere few hundred people where I'm from. Like really really tiny. (laughs) Everyone knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody else's business. And I remember, um, you know, there there would be things that, um, would happen. And then before you know it, it kind of got reported back to you via a third, fourth, fifth party quicker than the, really? if you just did that like happen the, with you being gay? Like, did somebody figure that out and like, get, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like the whole village knew before I knew. Really? So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah, saw yeah. you traipsing through the orchards, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah. Uh, so that was one thing that, it, that kind of like a uh, very small world right. that actually I love like now looking back, but, um, mm-hmm back then it was very um, suffocating as a, as a teenager and, and, and a young person. Um, and um, the other thing, I just wanted to see other things. Like I'd, I've been to London a couple of times, never been there for an extended period of time. You've and been where? London. Sorry. Oh, London. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had visited as a, as a child and a teenager a couple of times and was um, mesmerized by it mm-hmm. and just always wanted to go there and always wanted to, um, to experience living there. Um, and then also living in a rural area. So I, there were like, you know, all of these urban areas around me, like Bristol and, and Exeter and places like that. And um, I always wanted to just kind of see something that was bigger and different. And yeah. And where in London do you live now? I live in Stratford, which is where the Olympics ha- were held in 2012. Oh, nice. Yeah. So okay. e- East, East uh, London. Yeah. Okay. I was in London a couple of years ago and I went to Adelengi's shop in Notting Hill. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, the meringues there are incredible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, everything. So yeah, just his presentation. I feel like he, he hit upon something that was like, there was a, a desire for whatever it was that he created and then he created it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. He, um, his whole team are amazing. Like he's, if you like read through his books, he's so humble about talking about the people that the other people behind the Ottolenghi brand, I suppose, um, who make it work. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that in every single one of his books, he will co write it with like Helen, for example, who helped him with his suite with sweet right. and, and other people. So, um, yeah, it's very special. So, okay. When you cook, so I have this book, I'm going to be devouring it after you leave. I can't do it now because <laughs> it'd be very rude, but like, what is like a typical like meal that you'll just make at home with Pip? Um, well, so we will, um, <laughs> roast your chicken, <laughs> okay. which generally happens quite a lot. Um, how do you, be- how do you roast your chicken? Uh, oh, we have many ways, but there's uh, a recipe in Diana Henry's um, book, which oh, it's actually from adapted from elsewhere. And she 
references who it is and I've forgotten, um, which is a really basic um, lemon and thyme, I think it is. And she roasts it upside down for 20 minutes. um, And then you uh, turn the oven down and you roast it the other side and it makes a really juicy um breast which is great this has come up a couple of times because people on this podcast have done marcella hazan's oh that's yes that's Chicken. it yes exactly. that, that's so, right her, so hers is adapt, adapted from that recipe oh yes. i have to make this now this is the third time it's come up on yeah, the podcast it's amazing it's the perfect way to roast a chicken and right. um it guarantees juicy uh, meat every single time okay um the one thing i would say if you do do it is make do don't oh sorry don't skip the um drying of the skin because right. if you don't dry it then it'll stick to the bottom and then uh, you lose that lovely crispy skin which is my favorite bit so wow okay so you'll roast the chicken yeah what else would you guys do so they'll always be um we're quite healthy like when we're at home we do eat out quite a bit as well so when we're at home it'll be you know there'll be a roasted uh chicken or uh, or meat uh, maybe some fish or something, and then a section of vegetables. Um, so it will be quite healthy. Um, we also, um, he writes about food, um, so gets sent tons and tons of cookbooks, which is oh, okay. amazing. He has an awesome cookbook collection. So we'll always be cooking from somebody's book that's about to come out or or is he knows. So, so you guys are side by side in the kitchen cooking together on a regular basis? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. If not, oh my God. Um, Craig we Craig was do... in my kitchen last night and he was driving me crazy. I was like making Caesar salad and I was pouring the oil into the food processor and he was like, that's a yeah. lot of oil. And I was like, get out of here. Don't stop watching me cook. Yeah, we don't. Um, <laughs> some nights it will just be like one of us will just take over and 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 you know depending on who's who's going to be home first or whatever but um yeah we um i don't mind him in the kitchen it's quite fun how would you differentiate your styles of cooking i mean do you both approach food exactly the same way or no so he doesn't actually eat dairy um okay. which uh is quite a challenge for me because i put butter in everything sure as you <laughs> so, should yeah exactly yeah. it's like yeah dream thing um so my food traditionally is much more kind of heavy on the butter heavy on the fats and stuff like so that so he can't eat the food that you make when you do that when i do that he can't yeah so when we cook together at home as a therapist i would say that's a hostile gesture it's i mean it's for a good reason so I know, I'm, like, I'm just I'm teasing okay. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes i'm like there are there are times actually when i'm like i'm just gonna cook that thing or like pudding actually is the real big um moment because he'll be like oh yeah i can't have sticky toffee pudding I'm like, have you ever seen the movie the um the war of the roses with michael douglas and Ooh, kathleen turner no. it's about a couple that like hates each other and they try to like basically at the end like, they're trying to kill each other yeah and there's a beloved dog in the family <gasps> and she's feeding him pate and he's, he's like where's sparky and she's like enjoying your pate <laughs> but then it turned, i mean i don't want to spoil it but okay. he, she didn't actually kill the dog but it's a great movie i just thought of that with butter for some reason no, I, like, we have so yeah. our, our dogs will be the cats so oh okay I, I have a cat and he also has a cat um his cat called, called jennifer and called she, jennifer so yeah, you did it again called jennifer I know. oh yeah sorry <laughs> yeah. um and she uh is a demon for chicken and for yeah. any form of meat or fish or anything we're cooking so she'll be kind of scrabbling at whatever trying to eat yeah wow so, i want to i feel like man. i feel like i'm inviting myself to your wedding and you, i'm inviting myself to your house come to, over. to yeah, your when cats you, yeah. come over to london meet the cats and we'll cook you a dinner <laughs> um well we are nearing the end we're not quite at the end but do you feel like we've covered like the major big you know milestones of your life yeah i think so i think like i think yeah the big one for me like yeah it was a couple of years ago when i kind of um just before I got the book deal, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do and a book and kind of forming the idea. Mm-hmm. And that was a big moment for me. And then obviously when I, when I pitched out and it got, it got picked up by a publisher was just like, Oh wait, this could actually change 
quite a lot and it could yes. mean that I could do something that I've wanted to do for a long time so so what's the what's the goal next I mean would you want to have your own show on the BBC uh, would you want to have um, another cookbook I, I'd love to do another book so th- this book is all about for me looking back not backwards but looking back ho- looking back home and revisiting where I'm from at home the food style in there is very much of that ilk in the sense it's kind of like uh, warming hearty homely home cooking um, what I cook at home is much more kind of like um, can be much more kind of maybe Middle Eastern vibes, um, uh, Moroccan style, um, sometimes, um, and I'm much more adventurous in the kind of cuisines that I, I cook at home. So I'd like to maybe, um, my next book to be more perhaps about me right now, mm-hmm. as opposed to like looking backwards. So I, I would love to do another one and I, I'd like to do one that's like, the food that I'm, I'm cooking right now in my kitchen would it involve pip too would he like be in the book like in the background i, mean, I think I, he'd definitely have to because yeah. i in this book i um he actually came to one of my shoots as well uh-huh. so we did, went on location down to somerset um and he uh we were shooting in this orchard and it's, it's the picture on the back of the book actually um and he, it's uh, this big long table um yeah. and it's uh styled by him he did all the styling it's on beautiful the, on you the can't day. see it but it looks gorgeous um and it's uh anyway so in when we did the acknowledgements um he wasn't put down as a stylist <gasps> oh no and how so did he handle that he was like he was not happy um, <laughs> but luckily i put a really um i put a note in the thank yous to him um and acknowledge the kind of work that he put into this book as well as everybody else um so i think if i did another <laughs> one he'd have to be in it because he'd have to be acknowledged in the acknowledgements and and he'd have to um uh, yeah, probably be featured in that. Some, some does he point. comment on your plating, like when you because he's into des- design? Does he? Oh no, the, we can. This is one thing we definitely um, agree on. Stroke grumble about is that I cannot make food look pretty. Mm-hmm. Not a skill. Like I've, right. I've thought of myself. I've tried to do it. I've tried to look at the Instagram pictures. Yeah. I've tried to you know finesse it so that it looks beautiful. I just can't do it. It looks like slop. But, but he can. <laughs> but he can make it look amazing. This is your book. Yeah. So no, seriously, can, that's a style it. But that's a great book because I can't make look food look beautiful but if you showed that process of like how he takes what you cook and then makes it look beautiful yeah. i feel like that's a book oh that's a good idea i might steal that oh, yeah, do, do it. i just want 10 percent of the royalties well we're at the end but i'm gonna ask you at the end of every podcast i ask i started with what did you have for lunch yes. i think you don't you see where this is going yeah, yeah. But what are you having for dinner tonight so tonight we are going to a restaurant called kismet oh it's wonderful you're doing great oh amazing yeah you're um, hitting all the best places how do you pronounce it kismet oh it's Kismet. Okay, yeah. I thought I was doing that wrong. Um, so we're going to go there tonight, which I think might be similar food to we ha- that we've had ended up having for lunch. So. Right. Oh, was he with I'm you? I'm not bothered. Yeah, he was here. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, is he like circling the neighborhood in a car right now? No, waiting to- <laughs> he's gone to the gym. Oh, yeah, he's one of those. Oh, I get it. Okay. So uh, he's gone to the gym, but um, so we're going to go there for dinner. Um, and the one place I'm flying to New York tomorrow okay. and tomorrow, yeah. Um, and the one place that we had booked in to go to, but we, um we actually missed it because they booked us really late was, um, is it Bavel or Bavel? Bavel. Bavel. All these places you're going are all middle, like middle Eastern sort of food. Yeah. So yeah. This, is, this, is, this is it. Uh, we, we love that. And we went to, he took me to Tel Aviv a couple of years ago for my birthday. Okay. Um, it was like the first holiday we, we did together. And, um, I completely fell in love with, um, with the food there. Um, so it's probably just, Still from that. Still there. So Kismet tonight. Kismet tonight. Kismet's really great. It's a cool atmosphere. Cool. The food's really good. It's it's interesting. LA has this thing where some restaurants that are very hip Mm -hmm. will charge you a lot of money for a very small 
portion of food. I can't stand that. <laughs> well, get yourself ready. I mean, like, it's not like the most abundant food, but, yeah. but you feel, you leave feeling good. Uh, okay. We went to Adame. Is, is it oh, yeah. I haven't gone there yet. Yeah. Really nice. That was good. Really lovely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it served I, us like whole chicken. So I was very happy. <laughs> how did you know all these places? What did you look at? How did you find all this? These are all really good places. So we. Like Adam is even like I haven't even been there yet, and I live here, and yeah, that's like the coolest it's restaurant. Only just opened, I think. I know. Um, it's um, yeah, it was really cool. Um, we what did we do? So we have friends who live here, so they obviously gave us some advice. Um, he's just kind of like plugged in yeah. a little bit and just hears about things. Right. Um, and also, I have to say, we looked at Eater as well and, yes. and scrolled through the, the the recommendations on there. So. That's what I've been doing for Tokyo. Although it's so intimidating because Tokyo, it's like you have to like. Like the the whole thing is like the hardest to get into restaurants are like the ones where they don't even take reservations. You have to know somebody who knows somebody. I'm yeah, like, I'm like, forget about that? it. I'll just get like sushi at like the Seven Eleven or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> people do that there, and it's just like easier. Yeah. Uh, well, James, I should tell everyone the name of your book is called Apple Recipes from the Orchard by James Rich, and it's a beautiful book, a perfect holiday gift. Thank you. For Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holiday you celebrate. And it was so nice to meet you. Thank you so much. It was really good to meet yeah, you too. Yeah, thank you for letting me do therapy on you. Thank you. All right.